This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Randall Bolton. I'm a longtime Silicon Valley CFO and the author of Painting with Numbers, presenting financials and other numbers so people will understand you. Welcome to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode number 270. As a finance leader, are you driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak with Rick Fegley, CFO of Grocery Chain, Smart and Final. So, from a total company standpoint, we've hired over 4,000 people in 2016. And obviously, that's been a, a challenge in a, an economy where the unemployment rate is relatively low and declining, and average wage rates are increasing. As a growing company, we can offer career opportunities that a lot of other retailers can't. Listen to our complete interview with Rick after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intact provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with Rick Fagley, CFO of Smart and Final, a 145-year-old grocery chain that opened 39 new stores in 2016. Smart and Final stores are in the western United States today. So for those of us in the east, you may be uh, surprised to learn that this is a $4 billion business today. Rick, welcome. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate the opportunity. We're uh, very pleased to have you join us. This is the first time, I I think, we've had a a finance leader from the grocery uh, chain world join us. So it's doubly nice to have you as a guest. And it's interesting. The grocery world is one almost everyone, I imagine, feels as though they have some sense of or or understanding of. But uh, we know there's more to it than meets the consumer's eye. And so before we explore the business with you, as always, please uh, take us back and identify those career experiences that you feel helped prepare you uh, for a, a finance leadership role. Well, thanks for the uh, thanks for the question. You know, grocery as a retail business is, as you say, fascinating in that almost everyone has a direct and personal experience. Nothing is more personal than buying the food that we put into our bodies and serve to our families. And so everyone feels that they have some connection to the grocery world. My connection to the grocery world actually came at the second half of my business career. My first half, strangely enough, was in the oil and gas industry. 
And through that, uh, and through the service station and convenience store business side of a Fortune 25 company that I previously worked for, I had some experience with retail. But coming in uh, the late 1990s, um, over 20 years ago now, to the grocery industry, I learned a lot about what I didn't already know and what I didn't already know. Oil and gas, jumping to uh, the grocery world. Here, you made this leap. What led you to do that? Well, the transition that I made was not at the CFO level. I made the transition at the corporate treasurer level, and I had been involved in the oil and gas industry for a good portion of my career in treasury, finance, strategic planning roles. And so those were very transferable and applicable to Smart and Final, which as a public company, smaller public company than I'd been with, but it's still a public company, um, was a, a more natural transition than perhaps the CFO role would have been. At the time, we were a company that's about half the size we are today. Okay, so when you stepped in to the CFO office, what was the kind of job you wanted to create for yourself? Well, this, the attraction of the smart and final environment is that we are a value-focused retail grocery company, and we serve both household and business customers. So we're a little different than a lot of other retail grocers that you might think of, like a Kroger or Safeway or Albertsons Banner Store, because of our business customer focus. Think of us more like a combination of a Kroger retail store and the food and food service section of a Costco or Sam's Club store in a small store format, so a 25 to 35,000 square foot store, smaller than a traditional grocery store, smaller than a warehouse club store, but with all the key products that both business and household customers want to buy. So that's the environment that our stores operate in, and that's the environment that I wanted to have a finance organization be able to support, support both operationally as well as support strategically so that we could continue to grow the company. And so did you reorganize the team or were there skill sets that you uh, looked to add? So we added um, strength in several areas. We added strength in the treasury function. We added strength in um, the accounting and finance support function from an operational standpoint. And we also added strength in terms of internal audit and in terms of compliance with what at the time that I became the CFO was fairly new, the Sarbanes-Oxley public company requirements. And all of those are areas that over the, the years we've continued to build and have today a really strong team across the entire finance function. So let's find out about the competitive landscape out there and the competitive edge that uh, Smart and Final has today. So our competitive edge is to be priced really well on all the key products that people value the most in their shopping decisions. And the way you would think about that is to be priced in the same range as the best value retailers like Walmart and Costco for the types of products that those stores sell. And the way that we do that is to maintain a very cost competitive structure within our company. So we try to minimize what we spend on 
any of the key variables from occupancy cost to supply chain cost and to have an efficient store so that the store labor costs are relatively low in comparison to a traditional retail grocery store. All of that enables us to pass along the cost savings to customers in the form of lower prices. And that's really our key advantage, is to have a unique product assortment, products that serve both household and business customers, and to price well so that we can offer a terrific value. Growth in grocery retail these days is in the value concepts, and we are very well positioned in that segment. So again, a typical store, you today run with fewer employees than those stores of your primary competitors. We do. We run a lower labor component within the cost structure. And that doesn't mean from a customer standpoint that you wouldn't see employees in the store. Our employee associates are on the floor available to help and to show people where products are as well as to answer questions. We really value our associates and their training to be able to serve customers well. The way that we achieve a lower labor component is to have a very simple store, a reduced number of products relative to, say, a full-service Kroger store, but all the key items that customers value most, and to use that efficiency to drive lower overall costs and to pass that through to lower prices for consumers, both household and business customers. Okay, it sounds like an interesting model. What would be then the the key metrics that you're watching closely to make sure those stores are operating the way you want? So the key metric in any type of retail business is sales. It all starts with sales. Sales is the true measure of how well you are resonating with your target customers. When they think of you and your top of mind, your sales will follow. And then on the cost side, we watch very carefully our product acquisition costs. Sales less product acquisition cost is the gross margin of the business, and that's a key metric, as well as all of the key cost metrics, labor cost, distribution cost, occupancy cost, and headquarters type costs. All of those are things that we monitor quite closely. And by keeping sales strong, and keeping costs well under control, that provides a great business model. It's pretty much a truism across retail that if you add an item, you need to discontinue an item. The ability of the industry, in particular the strength of our systems here at Smart and Final, to track individual item movement, both at a store level and at groups of stores, gives us the insight to know what sells best And when a new good item comes along, what an item that we might drop from the assortment uh, would be. Obviously, we take into consideration a wide variety of factors before discontinuing any item because every item has some constituency among customers, and we really don't want to disappoint anyone by discontinuing their favorite item. I want to come back to uh, the competitive marketplace for a minute. And currently, you are known to be priced between 8 and 12% less than your primary competitors, and only um, perhaps a slight premium over the likes of, of Walmart and Costco. 
Uh, and you're operating your stores more efficiently, but how do you compete with that buying power that, of the likes of a Walmart or a Costco, that infamous buying power they're supposed to have? Um, and yet you're still uh, competitive. How is that? Well, Jack, that's a great question and obviously key to our competitive success and position in the market is to be priced right for consumers. It's not our goal to be priced lower than Walmart or Costco. It's our goal to be priced at a very competitive level with them to offer our customers the best value that we can in the market. So the the core of your question is given the greater market power and size of our larger competitors, how can we do that? And the answer is actually fairly simple. In the case of the Walmart example, we do not have a complete overlap between our product SKUs at the store and the SKUs that are in a Walmart store. About 40% of what we sell are things that Walmart doesn't sell and includes our business customer items. So we're not trying to match Walmart exactly on those items. On the remaining 55 to 60% of the store, a good portion of it are products like produce and fresh meat, where the products are acquired more on a commodity basis and Walmart's size advantage does not equate to as much of a price advantage um, as it does in things like core consumer packaged goods. And on the portion of the store where we match up against Walmart, where they really do have a size advantage, we sell the same items and we just know that we take a, a lower margin on those items but we're still competitive uh, in the acquisition cost at a $4.5 billion size company, we can actually buy things quite well. And against Costco, Costco is a terrific company with a lot of buying power, but we actually buy a lot of warehouse club items as well in great quantities. And in fact, one of the unique things about Smart and Final is that because of our style of merchandising, where we merchandise on warehouse shelving but don't merchandise as Costco does in pallet bays where each item takes up a large amount of square footage, we actually can offer more warehouse club items than Costco has in their stores when you match up the types of SKUs that we sell. Okay, it's time to ask you for a finance strategic moment. And this is a moment of insight that you had along the way during your your finance career that allowed you maybe to identify a new opportunity or point the organization in a new direction. What comes to mind? I think what I have learned over the years isn't a single moment, but is a series of moments. And the series has pointed to the fact that Motivating people is a lot about storytelling and giving the, whether it's a employee inside the company, an investor outside the company, or a strategic partner like a vendor, helping them understand our story. What are we trying to do? What's the objective? And how do we think we could work together to get there? So just yesterday, I had a chance meeting um, at a coffee shop with one of our key product vendors, and he was uh, he was there with the lead buyer for that category, and we had a conversation about 
the uh, difficulties of the current economic environment for the product category that this vendor represented and what could we do to work better. And the vendor was not clear on what our growth plans were for the next few years, even though it's someone that we've worked with a lot, they just didn't understand what Smart and Final was planning to do over the next few years. And we walked away from that seemingly chance conversation, having a better understanding of each other's business and some concrete ideas of how we could promote products better in 2017 to achieve mutual objectives. Okay. I want to touch on the talent economy and uh, the organization's workforce. You've already uh, told us about how the stores operate much more efficiently and perhaps without as many personnel as other uh, competitors. But as a finance leader, what are your priorities when it comes to the workforce? Our priorities in terms of talent development are to make sure that, first, we have a conversation with each of our associates and the questions that we ask in that uh, discussion are, what are your personal objectives? Do you want career advancement? Are you happy with where you are? Can we help with educational opportunities, either formal education or skills training type opportunities? And we believe that an engaged workforce is one that um, has good communication up and down and the opportunities that come from that are to try to develop, particularly cross-functionally, our finance workforce so that they know more about things that are beyond their current job. It's key to us to take uh, people who have an interest in advancing and offer them the opportunities and particularly the support through education to achieve those opportunities. Now, Given all the stores you've opened in 2016, you've been hiring. What, uh, what can you share with us about the, uh, the employment environment out there today? Are you finding the talent you need? So from a total company standpoint, we've hired over 4,000 people in 2016. And obviously that's been a, a challenge in a, an economy where the unemployment rate is relatively low and declining and average wage rates are increasing. The attractiveness about Smart and Final is that as a growing company, we can offer career opportunities that a lot of other retailers can't. And when you know that you're going to grow you have the confidence to hire and to train for future opportunities at a higher level within the company. And that dynamism in terms of the employment situation leads to better opportunities to hire people from either competing retailers or to bring them into the grocery retail industry for the first time. And then Jack, at the next level, beyond just the hiring, we obviously have many metrics that we track, and particularly at the store level, to ensure that we are staffing stores appropriately and having enough uh, hours at, of labor at a store to service customers well. We look at things like same-store sales, 
we look at labor um, rates per dollar of sales, and we look at having the right balance of experience within a store from the management down through the department leads and down to the uh, to the lowest levels in the store so that at any time when a customer comes in, we have the right mix of store employees um, to service the customer's needs. In terms of numbers, have you announced new stores yet uh, that you'll be opening in 2017? We haven't given specific guidance on the number of stores for 2017, but our long-term goal is to grow at a roughly 10% unit growth rate in the company. And we think that that level of growth enables us over a period of years to reach all the markets that we're not currently in, trade areas within our seven western states, as well as to provide a lot of opportunities for our existing and future workforce. We'll now move to the mentoring round, where we're going to ask you several quick questions intended to uh, inspire and mentor uh, future finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today, Rick? I really enjoy learning about new things, and this is perhaps the most dynamic environment that I've experienced in my finance career, which is extending well over 30 years now. There are so many opportunities in terms of new regulations that are proposed or new techniques or technologies that are available to really leverage the business, either leverage towards more regulation or leverage towards more capabilities in terms of technology. And there's always something new to learn. Now, let us... What piece of advice do you wish someone had shared with you as you entered the CFO office? I think over my entire career, the best advice I've received, and I've received it more than once, is to stop and listen. And it's a hard thing for people who are very dynamic and uh, are self-starting, self-contributing leaders just to stop and listen and to make sure that you fully understand not only the questions that the organization are being asked, but the, also the input of people that work in the organization. We can all be smarter if we just stop and listen. Do you have a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success? I try to be organized, and I also try to recognize that I can't organize everything. I used to ask this question. I'm gonna. I'm curious though. Are you? Uh, is there any sort of uh, technology tool or anything you use to organize your yourself during the course of the week? I found that the iPad has been truly transformational in terms of my ability to stay organized and to particularly stay in touch. Um, I think back to the days before the iPad and. I'd and paper and pencil environment um, was much less efficient than the uh, the new technologies. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? I wouldn't recommend a single book, but there's an author, uh, a college uh, professor who I had in graduate school, Arthur Laffer, who's widely credited as being the father of supply-side economics and uh, was 
an advisor to former President Reagan. Art Laffer has written a number of books about business, about economics, and about public policy. And almost any of his books, uh, you can learn a lot just by reading even a few, few chapters. Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Our, my priorities are to continue to support the growth of our company, but also particularly to support the growth of the staff that we have in terms of adding capabilities as well as development of the technical side and career side of the staff that is existing in the company. Rick Fegley, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thanks, Jack. It's been a pleasure. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever-so-short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply.